Welcome to Drive Your Own Adventure with Benjamin Starr. With holiday parks and resorts across New South Wales and Queensland, find your dream destination with Ingenia Holidays. So we're driving our own adventure. We're actually live on location at the minute, traveling up. We've got Chris here, we've got Marnie, and Craig Pocock is with us as we travel on Skyrail. You know, what I've noticed coming up here just to start is uh, you never had hashtag Skyrail before when I was here, so things are changing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tourism's changing. I've been in this business now for over 20 years, and I think the last five years have been the most dynamic that I've ever seen. And that's largely driven by uh, the consumer, the guests, the tourists to the region, what they're looking for, the style of experience, and really the expectation they have of the experiences. What are their expectations? If, if I look back in time, and I look back to when Cairns was at its peak, which was around 2000 to 2004, tourism into the region was largely driven by group business. It was largely uh, underpinned by Japanese. Um, today, what we see is a just a plethora of, of nationalities coming into region, a lot of Chinese, but still a lot of domestic markets. Uh, the way people travel to Cairns is completely different. So we get a lot of self-drive, we get a lot of last minute style visitation with budget, you know, the change in carriers, air carriers. Sure. The expectation used to be more of a passive consumption of our product. Yeah. So they used to like to look and smell and listen, but yeah. that was it. The expectation now is they want to learn, they want to understand. And the mantra of our business from the start has always been when we get someone on board Skyrail, we really wanted to try and touch them so that when they left our product, whether they knew it or not, they walked away as an accidental eco-tourist. And we're finding now that people want to really engage with that message. Well, we're travelling up on this Skyrail thing. So when, when was this thing built? And we're going up over what seems like a... A, a temperate forest as we're, as we're going up you're seeing it start to change but when was this thing all built and why was it built? Wow, we're going into our 25th year next year will be 25 years of operation so 98, uh, 1998 we started it was the um, I guess the uh, brainstorm of um, three local uh, individuals in Cairns and it was about trying to present a product that was unique a world's first and would link two major sites, one being the Cairns Coast and in those days a major site uh, being Karanda. And along the way, present the option, a different form of option of viewing and experiencing the rainforest. And now what we have now is uh, this wonderful legacy of all that, that brainchild. And how many people would travel on this every year? What sort of numbers do you get? We're the largest uh, terrestrial based attraction in Northern Australia. So Gosh. significant numbers. We're the largest attraction for the region by far. And uh, we're one of the two supporting linchpins of tourism in the region. So you've got Great Barrier Reef with some large operators and then you've got the rainforest. Our sites are um, some of the largest or most highly visited sites in Australia. And then of course you've got the train that all links up to it. Everybody knows the old train. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons that we're successful is we have this ability to work in partnership. So Skyrail is one leg of a real triangulation, if you like. Mm. It's... Um, Skyrail through to Karanda. Karanda itself is a destination, a village in the rainforest, and Karanda uh, uh, Scenic Rail back, and um, it just makes a perfect full day attraction. Now, all this ecotourism, you hear a lot about it. We hear about the impact that humans are having on the planet and all the things about global warming. This is a very minimal impact on, on the environment as you come up there's these pylons every so often, but it's sort of, we're actually seeing everything in its natural state. 
in the way it should be. Um, but what I find very interesting is with the ecotourism, there's this moral thing that's now come into it where all the tour operators are trying to educate um, everybody that comes to see their attraction, whether it be an aquarium or whether it be a winery, about their impact on the environment. So, yes, enjoy the product, but think about these things. That's exactly right. And I think that's um, just really all about the uh, global landscape um, that uh, people are being experienced to. You know, it's all about the impacts of climate change. It's about the need for us, each one of us, to take an individual stance and and um, really be cognizant of what we do in the environment, our effects on the environment. And from a product perspective, um, it's important to make sure that people understand that they're travelling with reputable operators and we take this as seriously as um, they do. When it comes to uh, education and, and training and things like that, what things do you have in place for families that are tr- coming up with their kids? What, what can they learn by coming here? Yeah, as I said, we, we want to try and make everyone an accidental ecotourist. So we've launched a number of World First initiatives, uh, one of which is an app which we don't have running today. It's a World's First app. Disney don't even have an app of this nature. Mm. And it allows families and individuals to engage uh, and, and, and understand or have a greater understanding of the rainforest. It's got an augmented reality function on it so that the children then can then interact in such a way that they get a, a learning experience out of it. We have guided ranger tours. People can join these tours and, and actually get a one-on-one interpretation. And as I say, we've got views that you can get nowhere else in the world. What is it about your job that you love? Look, I'm a Cairns local, so born and bred, one of the few, I think, that are around these days. Um, And it's an interesting story for me. I was employed in Cairns when this very contentious project, which was Skyrail, was mooted. And um, I was actually asked to come and work on the project. I was about 25 at the time and um, spent some time assisting with the construction. And then never did I think I'd come back as a managing director. So in terms of construction, what was your job? I was actually looking after some of the tower footings here, so um, (laughs) helicopters would put tower footings and then I'd walk in every night and I'd sit on the tower footings and and make sure that they were right and uh, then walk out every night. Well, it's it's quite amazing. So do, do you remember which footings you would have done? Yeah, I do remember the footings. We're going to come up to a couple of them very soon. I can remember the walk in and out a little bit more vividly than the footings. Really? So. so when you look at it now, that's a bit of a legacy to your youth, isn't it? Yeah, well, I like to think so, yeah. yeah. I like that youth word. Yeah, but, but you look at it and think, well, I actually help, help put this in place. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've been with Skyrail for over 12 years, I think, in total. I've had a couple of stints at it. And um, I always just keep gravitating back to the product. I'm passionate about it. I love it. I've got a personal association with it. Yeah. And um, so it's a part of me, yeah. So environmentalists and, and scientists and stuff, I imagine, uh, coming up here as we're travelling up, you're seeing so much greenery and change. Um, there must be so much flora and fauna here too that you've got to look after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is the world's oldest continuous living tropical rainforest on the face of the planet some 80 million years older than the Amazon. So what you see beneath you now is a remnant of the prehistoric times. Birthplace to some of the songbirds, birthplace to flowering plants, it it really is a special place. Um, Every time that you travel over this, you see something different. So it's our job to make sure that we act as a custodian to this so that future generations can come and enjoy this uh, experience as we are. The relationship with Coranda, what, what, what's the whole thing about Coranda from a, a tourism perspective? What, what's important about going there? 
Um, well, it's a great day out and it's a linkage between our two products. So it has a distinctly local flavour about it and then it's got the its destination, distinctly local flavour and then obviously it's got um, particular attractions and experiences in its own right. So it, it really does underpin our full day attraction. So if people are coming to Cairns, um, they, they go on Skyrail, of course, and have a look around. What other things do you think they should be doing? Oh, certainly the Great Barrier Reef. That's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, experience. And there's any number of ways that you can um, experience the Great Barrier Reef. The thing about Cairns and uh, this region is that um, it's got this amazing geographic footprint. So you've only got to go an hour from Cairns and you're out in, in the highlands of Atherton Tablelands. Yeah. Another half an hour and you're in the outback. Yeah. Go to the north of Cape Tribulation where the Great Barrier Reef touches the World Heritage Listed Forest. So um, it's a three or four day minimum experience. Well, here we are. We're coming into Central Railway Station. <laughs> Red Peak, is that what it's called? This is Red Peak Station. Right. So when you get off here, how long would you spend on this platform? Could you spend a couple of hours on one of these tours or how long would they go for? The tours themselves go for 20 minutes. Right. Typically people spend anything up to an hour here. The good thing about Skyrail is you're not time pressed. Yeah. So you do it at your own um, leisure. So now we've hopped on another um, sky gondola, gondola as you call them, and now we're going in a different direction. So where are we heading to now? So now, for the benefit of your viewers, out in the distance we can start to see some buildings some way off. That's Karanda. Prior to Karanda, on our left-hand side, is a massive gorge you're about to see. So that's the Barren Gorge, um, and it's significant. It's called Dindin, and it's significant to the Jabagai people. Um, some of their dreamtime stories in relation to the Rainbow Serpent all originated these falls. So we're going to head to a station near the falls and we've just opened uh, an amazing attraction which was done in partnership with the federal government called the Edge Lookout. And it has some glass floors in it and you actually skirt around the side of the gorge so it gives our guests a perspective that we've never been able to achieve before with a little bit of a nerve test during that. <laughs> yes, I can just imagine. I'm going to ask you a question for all the tech heads out there. Um, what size is the maintenance team to run an operation like this and in terms of servicing these, these uh, gondolas, I mean, is there a full-time crew technically that look after it? Absolutely. So we've got a full maintenance team headed up by a maintenance engineer. Yeah. They work seven days a week. The... Um, bulk of our maintenance is conducted out of hours yeah. so when our guests get off our maintenance teams come on yeah. and they'll work every night and they do the preventative maintenance and forward planning that we need and um, yeah it is a big undertaking to keep a machine like this operational um, we've got systems on here that are cutting edge that no other lift in the world has just to make sure that we can provide that safe and uh, enjoyable experience yeah, I imagine every pylon's linked somehow so that so you can monitor it from a control room and Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we have a fibre optics cable that goes from one end to the other. That does a couple of things. That allows us to put every monitoring system that we have on the cableway through the fibre optics, but it also gives us incredible bandwidth. So we can then deploy Wi-Fi system. Wi your own private VPN. But our own private VPN. So our guests can lock into our high-speed networks and they can be sharing photos and doing what they need to do. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So when it comes to social media and the world that we're working in now, you um, heavily rely on all this stuff. I mean, it's about being seen with the right people. Um, you must get a few celebrities up here. Yeah. And um, if they put a hashtag out on their social media channels, it would have a, a devastating effect with people showing up. <laughs> yeah. 
No, we're very popular. Yeah. Uh, because we're one of the key products to underpin the region. Yeah. Most celebrities that come on, come into the region, you know, will typically do us. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I can remember having um, Her Majesty on and oh, the really? Queen and the Duke and. Um, yeah, we've had all sorts of politicians on, including some leading American politicians and yeah. prime ministers. and Yeah? Yeah, so you get to meet some people. And and what do they take away from it? I mean, I imagine everybody takes something away from the, the, the trip. Yeah. Um, they're particularly interested, if you look at it from a political perspective, the typical question is how do you balance tourism with ecotourism and sustainability? Yeah. And that's what they all want to try and achieve. Mm. So um, they're quite uh, amazed by our model. The fact that we can run as many people as we do metres across the rainforest and as you can see looking out there is absolutely zero impact mm. and we do it in a sustainable manner. So they're very keen to understand that. And, and I, I suppose we're, we're sitting above the, um, the treetops, is there a point that the trees actually keep growing or have they stopped growing? No, we're allowed under our, um, our licence to operate just to keep the trees trimmed. So we keep them outside of about a two-metre buffer from our, our So you've got to worry about all that too. Yeah, so we have a full ranger team that comes out and they come out every well, three or four weeks or so and they'll go along in a vehicle and just with pole saws just take the top off vegetation as it grows. We can't wholesale clear. As you can see, there's no sign of it. So they'll just hang out of a gondola and do their... It's a d- specifically designed open caged gondola, yeah. Good grief. They so rope in your, and they do it. Your service machine. That's it. That's it's amazing. It. It's like those guys that service major um, electricity power poles. Have you ever seen those yeah, before? Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah. It's like a skateboard on wheels That's and they go it. for miles. I can tell you what, it's such a good ride and such a great experience <laughs> that we actually commercialise one of them. Oh, so gosh. Guests can now have a ride on a uh, open-air gondola yeah. where we harness you in, yeah. put you with a ranger yeah. and then be one-on-one with you and give you like a fruit bat hanging from the sky but you don't hang you stand (laughs) and we call that a canopy glider and it is fantastic i was lucky enough in 2000 to bring the olympic torch down on a canopy glider really skyrail was in it and it held the record for the world's longest uh torch lake olympic torch there you go now how long is the 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 whole experience how many it's 7.2 kilometers 7.5 kilometers that's a lot in, in its day, it was the longest in the world. There's one larger now, I think, in China. Yep. But um, it's not all about size. It's no. about the experience. Thanks for listening to Drive Your Own Adventure with Ingenia Holidays. With holiday parks and resorts across New South Wales and Queensland, Ingenia Holidays offers the ideal place for an extended break, weekend getaway or short stopover. Find your dream destination with Ingenia Holidays at www.ingeniaholidays.com.au